Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Declan Goff, Miles Gorham, Tyler Fornis here where we break things down from a draft perspective every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. So hit the subscribe button for Daily Vikings Entertainment. Of course, we have our flagship show with Mackie, Judd, and myself. We bring on Alex Boone. We bring on Tyler Fornis. We bring on Miles for Purple Daily on draft. We bring on Chip Scoggins and Fornis for Purple Access, Vikings Vent Line, of course, after every Vikings game and also an offseason edition. So plenty of great Vikings content right here on Purple Daily. So we're going to get into some uh, Jaron Hall conversation. I know, spoiler alert, we're getting into some Jaron Hall conversation, something we always like to talk about on this show. Uh, Forno watched some J.J. McCarthy tape that we're going to get into also and plus, I have a I have a mock draft that I'm uh, very excited to spring on you guys that I found here as well. So hit us up, Purple Daily on Draft, in the comment section. You can also hit us up on the feedback tab of the Score North app, too. Uh, it's a central hub for everything we do, and you can just kind of shoot me a message. I have some stockpiled, too, some just feedback questions that we can kind of answer that are very evergreen. So if you want those answered, uh, hit us up on the feedback app or, of course, in the YouTube comment section. All right, boys, so Nick Mullins got the start against the Bengals, and Honestly, I think 30,000-foot view, he did pretty well, did pretty admirably. But Forno called it the Case Keenum-Bozo gene before we hit the mics. He had three Case Keenum-Bozo gene plays that kind of have this murky muck all over himself after the game, despite nine yards attempt, a few touchdowns, over 200-plus passing yards. Looked, honestly, pretty good outside of the two murky plays. But here's what I want to ask you. I guess, Forno, I'll start with you. What would it take for Jaron Hall to get a look-see here? Like, if Mullins throws that pick six, you said, no, he doesn't get benched, he remains in the game. I, 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 I think I tend to agree with you, but I think it might be up for discussion with KOC. But clearly, he still likes Nick Mullins. Jeremy Fowler had the report on Monday morning that they're still going to stick with Nick mm-hmm. Mullins as the starter against the Lions. What do you think it would take, I guess, black and white-wise, to see Jaron Hall get a look at, at, at quarterback for the Vikings before the end of the season? I, I just want to preface this with, uh, I am probably the biggest Jaron Hall fan of anybody that is not blood relative. Uh, 
it would take Nick Mullins breaking his leg or the Vikings either fully securing a playoff spot where nothing can change or they're completely out of the mix, which I, I don't know if they could be mathematically eliminated I know. before week 18. So I really think it's going to be everything's all set in stone. They're going to be like, say, the sixth seed. And that's set in stone week 18. And there's really nothing you can gain or lose from playing. Or Nick Mullins has a season ending injury because right now, Mullins did enough really good things on Saturday to maintain his position as a starting quarterback. And the really tough part is you can't necessarily judge these three quarterbacks like you would judge Kirk Cousins in the fact that they're not starters. They are backups. You are going to have bad plays from these guys. It's just a fact that you're going to have these Bozo Gene moments. And it's about what can you do outside of those moments to help you continue to win? Obviously you don't want to have those three Bozo Gene moments. You you just don't, you want to eliminate them, but there's also a reason why Nick Mullins is on a two year, $4 million contract. He does a lot of good things, but he has a lot of like, dude, what are you doing? That's why he's not a starting quarterback in the national football league. And right now the Vikings are in a position where they don't have a starting quarterback on their active roster. Now, could they have one in Jaron Hall? Maybe. But right now, with the culture the Vikings have instilled, they're trying to win football games now. And they believe that Nick Mullins gives them the best opportunity to win them now. And quite frankly, I agree. I think Hall has more upside, more of a future, potentially, than Nick Mullins does. And I think he could be a better backup quarterback, probably even next year, maybe. But at this moment, with the Vikings in a playoff push, it's Nick Mullins. And he did a lot of really good things. Throwing timing routes to the outside, hitting digs across the middle, not Stefan Diggs, dig routes, and doing some of those things. It's really nice to see. And that was what was lacking with Josh Dobbs. Now, you can't throw that interception to Mike Hilton. You just have to take the sack and not throw it that literally two-foot interception to B.J. Hill and that screen pass that was too telegraphed and they made it too easy for Pratt to be able to jump it. But luckily, they got bailed out the offsides call. And then what does he do? He takes advantage and drives him down for a Jordan Addison touchdown, which that touchdown pass was arguably a Bozo Gene moment where like the top quarterbacks in the National Football League would get praised. Oh, he trusted his guy. He found him, even though it was across his body into traffic in the red zone. That's something you can't do as a quarterback, but it worked. And you have to be able to clean some of that up. But the good was really good. And that that's where you talk about process versus execution. Mullins exuded good process throughout the majority of the game, gave the Vikings a chance to win. And then you had the offensive line. And you could argue a little bit, and Dan Orvlowski broke it down yesterday on Twitter. Like they kind of telegraphed the quarterback sneak and made it a little more difficult for the offensive line to be able to kind of protect there. But you have to be able to execute getting two feet. You have to be able to do that. They did it earlier in the game. So like calling it back to back was fine because they had already shown they could be successful with it. But it's the process with Mullins is mostly good. It's about as good as you can expect from a backup quarterback who has real, really no ceiling as a starter. And we're playing with house money. Like would I love to see Hall start? Hell yeah. I'd love to see Hall start. I was probably the most excited to see him start against the Falcons and the most devastated to see him get the concussion. But where you're at right now, it's the Mullins show. And unless he breaks a leg, which we don't hope he breaks a leg, you're probably not going to see Jaron Hall. Miles, do you, do you tend to agree that it's probably going to be injury more than performance-related issues that get Nick Mullins benched in favor of, of Jaron Hall? Is there a situation where like the offense has had some clunkers, right? I know with Josh Dobbs and whatnot, they've had some clunkers against Chicago. They had a clunker against Denver, obviously the Vegas game too. 
And I know those are different quarterbacks, different situations, but if a similar situation arises where this offense just goes silent against Detroit and then, yeah, you're still, you're not out of the playoffs with a loss to the Lions on Sunday, but is there any way you see that a QB change happening or is it mostly just still injury related like Fornell's talking about? Yeah, I, I still don't view Hall as the guy that they want to go to in any circumstance unless they're were mathematically out of the playoffs. I don't because otherwise, if if Josh Dobbs was the immediate backup right now, I'd say there's probably a shorter leash on, on Mullins. But because Jaron Hall is the backup and, and Dobbs is the emergency third quarterback, I think that gives Nick Mullins a little bit of a longer leash. They know what he can do. They know he has a full command of the offense. Now, obviously, we saw um, a lot of the – boneheaded plays that we on, on Saturday it was it was bad it was like we saw a lot of what we saw from Dobbs just in a different style of offense now Mullins fits the Kevin O'Connell offense better than Dobbs does so I think that's why you saw them move the ball a little bit better you saw them be a little bit more consistent especially in the timing routes um, but some of the boneheaded plays some of the turnover worthy plays were just as bad as what we saw from Dobbs maybe even some worse um, like Mike Hilton almost had a pick six um, where um, Nick Mullins threw it right to him and missed JJ. Obviously threw that pick to to, Mullen, or to, to Hilton later, threw another one to uh, that, that pick six that got called back. There's a lot of those things that happened on Saturday that could have changed the complete outcome of the game. Now, obviously, you can flip that around, and if he doesn't have those issues, then maybe the Vikings win that football game. But you can't have those mistakes in the red zone, especially. Um, you know, you can't expect him to be perfect. I think that, like, like Forno said, there's a lot of really good that happened. Um, you saw that he had a lot of really good chemistry with guys like Jordan Addison. Uh, we finally got JJ back going. JJ looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Addison just looked like we saw what that like trio could really be. And I think, and obviously that's, that's even like the lower level of the upside because of the quarterback position. But I think you saw that like Addison can be the one, one, a guy one, one week if he, if he needs to be because of all the attention to JJ and vice versa. So it's really good to see that. Um, Addison still like developing and continuing to ball out the way he did on Saturday. Uh, but from like a perspective of benching Nick Mullins, I just don't see it happening unless it was like a, a Raiders game last week. And I'm talking about the Raiders versus Chargers game, where it's like 42 to nothing at halftime. <laughs> Some crazy, right? Like, otherwise, I just don't see it happening because I just think they feel that Mullins has the best command and best opportunity to like run the offense efficiently. And, and a guy that, that can get the ball to the playmakers um, on time and, and, you know, for the most part, accurate. And so I think um, his command of the offense is the best probably of the three quarterbacks. And I just don't see a need while you're in a playoff race to make that change unless, like I said, unless something drastic happens. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. So do you guys also think that is this solidifying, and again, we're early, but is this solidifying the fact they, they obviously miss Kirk? I think we all know that, but do that they would bring back Kirk Cousins? Like it just... I don't think... It doesn't mean anything right now. Um, I, I think the whole conversation about Kirk Cousins is going to come down to two things. And we already know that they want the person back in the building. Kevin O'Connell has uh, said that ad nauseum, but it's about how does that injury heal and where is that going to be at? Because 
it's going to really impact arm strength because you generate a lot of power from your lower half and the Achilles tendon, you generate a lot of power like with that area of your body. And if that's not like fully healed, and a lot of times it takes two years for that to heal. Just like look at Cam Akers. He didn't really start coming on until two years after that injury occurred. And Kirk Cousins is going to be 36. He's not going to be 23 years old. Like that's going to play into this conversation. And the other part's going to be money. What does he want for a contract? They already didn't agree on one months ago, back in March. So what is going to change now? How are those conversations going to be different? Do the Vikings view him significantly less because of the injury? And it's, it has nothing to do with his play this year. It's about how are we going to project forward? Because that injury could debilitate his career. It could also mean nothing, and it could be somewhere in between. So answering those questions is going to be huge in, to kind of figure out if he's going to come back. Plus, what if the Falcons go after him? Like I, right. That's a team that desperately needs a quarterback because let, let's just be honest, Desmond Ritter stinks. He's really bad at football. So and, does the head coach. Oh, yeah. I but if awful. he gets his Ryan Tannehill, which Kirk Cousins gets a lot of comparisons to, then you might be able to actually take that offense and make it something that's plausible because that's how he got the job in Atlanta in the first place. So I, I think the outside market is going to play a factor too because maybe Cousins wants to hit it again. And he might just be like, you know what? All the offers are comparable. I just want to stay here. Like, there are so many variables that we have to consider, but they obviously want the person back. But as far as the player, a lot of questions. I don't think anything with these next few weeks, other than Nick Mullins decides to look like an all pro or Jaron Hall is that guy, mm-hmm. which I don't think either of those are happening by the end of the season. I don't think anything that we'll see is going to impact those negotiations. Here's another sneaky one for you guys. What about Tampa Bay? They have the most cap space in the NFL next year. Are they going to They're draft gonna someone? They're gonna keep did you Baker. not see what Baker just did to the hey, Packers? I like, I like what Baker did, but I also <laughs> love... The first, he's the first visiting quarterback to ever have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. He looked, he he looked good yesterday. Lights he, out. He did look yeah, good. Packer really fans good. will tell you Joe Barry was a fault, and, and shout out to Cheesehead TV for a glorious uh, social media clip that we played earlier. Love me some Aaron Nagler, so I can't even, uh, can't even dog at him too much. But yeah, I mean, th- there are other suitors too for him. Yeah, Atlanta could be a big option. If another one of these big spending teams and free agency wants to do that, they can do it too. It's just... Well, that's where timing timing's important there, right, mm-hmm. Declan? Like, if mm-hmm. the Vikings the Vikings are going to have to make that decision before the free agency window opens up, because if they don't, then Kirk's agent, like, because we know by the time they get to the uh, the uh, combine, that agents are having conversations with other teams mm-hmm. and, and those things, and having on uh, what are the like they're they're basically having those fake conversations, like they're not they're not real, they're not legitimate, but you know they're having those sneaky like behind the scenes conversations of like, hey, what hypothetically would it look like if you know you wanted to sign my 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 player in this case Kirk Cousins and so um they're gonna have a really good gauge the uh Kirk Cousins and his his uh mm-hmm. his agent are gonna have a really good gauge of like where things stand by the end of the combine and like just ahead of the of free agency and I think the Vikings themselves are gonna have to make that decision a lot earlier than they probably would even like to but the benefit the Vikings have is they have the book on his uh um on his surgery situation on his recovery so mm-hmm. they have a little bit more understanding of like what that could look like. Um, but at the same time, I, I think the one thing that <laughs> this is kind of a side tangent, but all, all we hear right now is what if with Kirk Cousins. And I, I know I know he's hurt. And so I, uh, I'm very empathetic to the idea that he's hurt and the Vikings could be having eight or nine wins right now instead of seven and seven. But I, I don't I, I'm, I think I'm the part with the Kirk Cousins whole like scenario over the last six years is all we've done every year is what if. Yeah, every yeah. scenario with him and the totally. team, and I'm, I think I'm just like over that aspect of it. 
in the sense that like, yeah, I know if Kirk Cousins was healthy, this team would probably be better. That I mean, nobody's questioning right. that. But like, all we ever get to do is play the what if game. It's always the what if. What if this? What if that? What if the right guard was better? What if this didn't get? What if this guy didn't get hurt? What if uh, JJ's you know doesn't get hurt? All these small like not small things, but all these things always factor in this like what if scenario. And at the end of the day, we're still a mediocre like middle middling team that either will barely make the playoffs or will just miss it. And like I don't know that part. I think I'm just like over. So like I hate this idea that like you have to bring Kirk back because of what we did this year because that might not impact that might we not we might be worse next year than we were this year based off of a lot of variables that happen. You know, you could, you look at the edge rushing position, edge rusher position on our team right now heading into the offseason. You look at the can the cornerbacks continue to develop? They kind of got shredded a little bit on on Saturday. Like there's a lot of variables that that, that go into play that I I think it can't just be a run it back and um, you'll be better than you were this year scenario. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I feel like the whole what ifs and, and like we do it in sports all the time too, right? right? Like, and, and I, I do agree with you, Miles, that like we have this under an insane microscope of the Kirk conversation of, well, if he had a good defense, now he has a good defense. Well, if he had a good coordinator, yeah. well, now he has a good court. Like he has a good head coach. You're always playing it. And at the end of the day, you know, yeah, the Vikings could be 11 and 4 right now. They also could be 4 and 11. You know, like they could be also be really bad by the end of the year. So the ifs and ands, I, I can't stand them at all. Um, any other Kirk thoughts? Otherwise, uh, Forno, I, uh, we can get to some J.J. McCarthy film that you watched over the weekend. Draft uh, the next quarterback, please. That's all I ask. Like, if you bring Kirk back, fine. Just please, please, I'm begging you, Kevin O'Connell and Quazy, just draft somebody early. Like, I, I also would love to see, like, a huge trade-up. I just think it'd be so fun. Yeah. And this franchise has never done it like that. They've, they've, they've drafted guys in the first round, but they never go, like, spend. And it's not about just, like, spending future capital to do it, but I love the aggression that teams do to, like, go get the guy that they really covet. I just would love to see mm-hmm. that one day for my favorite team. Heck, yeah. Well, Alforno, let's, let's talk some J.J. McCarthy here. So you watched some tape uh, over the weekend, and I'm excited because we've seen his name on the board for a lot of mock drafts before. So I guess, what did, what did you like from J.J. McCarthy? Is this a project quarterback? Is this a guy that starts day one? From what you watched, uh, what, what were your kind of overall assessment of the Michigan quarterback? So this is an interesting one. And I, I did give him a mid-second round grade, which is he's great out a tiny bit higher than Will Levis. And I think when it comes to draft media, he if he does declare, he's going to have a very similar range to what Will Levis did. Some are going to view him as a potential top 10 pick. Some are going to view him as a mid-day two guy or potentially even later. And while Levis had that massive arm, there were really a lot of questions on how he could use it because he wasn't consistent. He had an awful pressure to sack rate of about 28% which you want to be somewhere around like 16%, like one of around every six pressures you take a sack like that. Like cousins, I think is at about an 8%, which is really good. Uh, but when you look at some of those things, like it all, it all matters in the encompassing evaluation. And the one thing that really worries me about McCarthy is I think staying at Michigan would be a massive mistake. I think he needs to come out and red shirt and really sit behind a guy and learn some of like nuances and grow as like a decision maker and grow as somebody who just learns the game and sees the field better versus or transfer and play in a completely wide open system. Cause the one thing Michigan doesn't ask him to do a lot and it's for good reason. The running game is incredible. They ran the ball 10 times again. Sorry. They threw the ball 10 times against Penn state and won pretty easily. He doesn't have to throw the football in this offense. And when they do, it's a lot of play action shot plays. 
the ones that the Vikings fans will know really well because they ran them under Gary Kubiak, where you're running two guys in the route concept, max protect, and just throw it up. Like, that's the kind of stuff Michigan is doing regularly. Now, he does show flashes being able to throw the ball in tight windows, making some progressions, but they don't ask him to do a lot. And I don't think it's because he can't. I think it's because they don't have to. And then because of that, they don't want to. They don't want to put him in position where he could potentially make uh, a poor decision and make a bad play because they don't have to do that. They can go 13 and 0 based on the running game and throwing deep shots on play action. That's all they have to do. And I want to see him in a different offense where he can do some of those things and, and really grow. But McCarthy's not going to wow you with his arm strength. He's got a good arm. He's, it's a Kirk tier arm where he can throw a deep ball. It kind of dies on him a little bit and he doesn't have the best placement. Now, when you look at the PFF stats, it only tracks from 20 yards and beyond. He's second in the nation in completion percentage, but it's that 10 to 30 yard range where he's great, where he's able to zip it in, throw like those deep crossers, throw those corner routes, throw those dig routes. He he's fantastic at that. It's when you're throwing it 40 plus where his ball placement isn't great and he throws it up short. And I'm not quite sure if it's, uh, a lot of it's to Roman Wilson, who's just used an absolute burner. Is he just misjudging how fast Wilson is being able to get to that point? Is he just laying it up a little too much? I don't really have those answers, but those are, this is all part of the process. It's about trying to understand what the flaws are and how you can fix them. I think he may have a distance deficiency problem where like, you know, Russell Wilson throws that really big arc ball and I'm one, but it always gets there. I'm wondering if he just kind of has that, but it just doesn't. Uh, but that intermediate level, he's going to absolutely torture you. And he's got wheels. Yeah, he he can throw the ball on the move. He can run around. He can make plays uh, and gash you in the running game. Uh, it kind of reminds me of how Aaron Rodgers would approach the running game, where Rodgers was almost never going to have a designed run to him. But you give him an open field, he'll gash you for 20. That's kind of how McCarthy plays. He doesn't want to run the football, but he's more than capable and will torch you if he need he needs to. Um, he also needs to avoid turnover-worthy plays in bunches. He had 10 of them last year. Seven of them came in two games. Four of them came against Bowling Green in week two. He just kind of got a, a little loosey-goosey. They won that game with ease, but he was just trying some things that almost felt like he was using that as a preseason game where he wanted to test how he, he could do certain things with certain route concepts because he was throwing bad interceptions and because of how they built a lead so fast, I'm curious if that would have played into it, but I like McCarthy. He's not going to learn any more in Michigan than he already has. And I really think he needs to come out and sit for a year. Be, do the Remember Dante Culpepper had the red shirt year yeah. in 1999, do a red shirt year and then come out 2025. And I think you could have a really, really good quarterback. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be like a top five. He's never going to have those kind of traits. And he doesn't have that Joe Burrow level moxie, which is just through the roof and kind of uh, hides some of that arm talent deficiency, which Burrow's accurate. He does not have a strong arm, but he's able to make up for it with timing, anticipation, and just he's a, he's an all-time level moxie guy. And I, I think I think you could have a top 10 quarterback where he's going to be able to do a lot for you. And because of the wheels, He's going to add a different element that Kirk Cousins just doesn't have where he can move around, but you don't want to necessarily craft a lot of plays where he's going to run 
or he's going to boot. Like you can do that and you can add that into your playbook, but it's not like, Oh, like every five plays I want him on the move. It's not like a Lamar Jackson construct where you want to always have him utilizing his legs in some form because he's so lethal with it. And Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, is MVP this year. So like there's, there's the ability to do a lot of those things, but McCarthy's a pocket guy with wheels. And I think that archetype really fits the modern NFL. Well, especially because of how he attacks the, the that intermediate level of the field. That's where you win Super Bowls. So Miles, if it's a red shirt situation where he has to sit for a year, do you sign up for another Kirk Cousins contract? Like who is the, because you can't really have like, right, the Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins option if you're a red shirting J.J. McCarthy because we're people are going to have the torch, the, the pitch pitchforks and torches ready to go on week two when you're 0-2 or you're, the quarterback has a bad game. So if that's the plan, like if McCarthy is kind of viewed as a project, would that be the writing on the wall that the if the Vikings, again, this is a lot of if-ands, but if the Vikings were to take a project like that, that they would sign up for another year or two of Kirk Cousins, what would that look like in your mind? I mean, I think that's the ideal scenario the Vikings want. I think they want Kirk Cousins in place with a young uh, rookie quarterback behind him for at least a year. I think that's what they've. I think that's one of the reasons they haven't pulled the trigger on on, on a rookie quarterback the last couple of years, but also why they haven't given Kirk a, an extension. I think they want that to line up perfectly for themselves, where they have a little bit of both, where they have more of the uh, they have a cursed contract, where they have it understanding like the ins and outs of it and how to get out but they also have somebody behind him that they can replace him with when the time comes. And I think McCarthy's that perfect archetype for that. Um, I think, I think JJ, I think JJ McCarthy outside of like the obvious top guys, I think he fits this style of offense that Kevin O'Connell wants to run to a T. And then you add his, his maneuverability and ability to move with his legs. I think he's just, I think he would be a perfect fit for what Kevin O'Connell wants. And I like, at least from my perspective, I don't know if he would have to redshirt, for you to have a successful offense. Now, I think there'd be a cap on what the ceiling would be as a rookie, but I think because of what how he plays the, the game, I think there's a, a way to get him in, in the game early as a rookie if you wanted to, if you didn't bring Kirk Cousins back, for example, and, and let him kind of be your day one starter and kind of trial by fire. It doesn't have to be that way, and I think there'd be no issues with sitting him, but I think because of the style of game he is, he play and he plays, I think he'd be the type of guy that you could maybe potentially play uh, day, as a day one starter again with the bumps and bruises expected um, but but with all the weapons around him and, and the Kevin O'Connell um, experience I think um, that could really help him but like he's he's my ideal like non-top tier quarterback to for the Vikings to go after this in this draft cycle if he comes out and so um, I, I would love a J.J. McCarthy on this team um, I kind of liken him too I think there's some Burrow-esque to his game I don't think he's like Joe Burrow by any means but I think like his ability to move and maneuver in the pocket when he's sensing pressure and, and his escapability and ability to throw in the run does remind me a little bit of Burrow. Now I'm not, I don't think he's like the, the Joe Burrow, like archetype as a like high level top five NFL player, kind of what Forno was saying. Yeah. But I think there's some of that to his game that could really like get some high level play in, in that Kirk Cousins mold where you like, you see the, Hey, this guy could be a really, really good quarterback but he needs to put it together consistently. And I think, you know, coming that into the league, I think that's a, a really good, like, um, structure to build off of. And if you're Kevin O'Connell, I think that's the perfect type of quarterback to really mold into, the, into like, a franchise quarterback. I like it. 
Yeah, and Forno, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point. If if this guy's not going to be ready right away, red shirt, red shirt him to a degree, let him sit for a year, let him learn all the system. Obviously, the Vikings will do all their homework on which guys are kind of the best fits for that. So I'm excited to see, yeah, kind of what this future holds for the Vikings if they re-sign Kirk, if they still draft a quarterback. I think people will kind of look at it as black and white of, they're going to re-sign Kirk or they're not going to draft a quarterback. Well, they could re-sign Kirk and still draft a quarterback, right? Like that, mm-hmm. both those both those options obviously um, are on the table. Do you guys want me to get to this mock here? This is a pretty uh, pretty interesting mock. I'm really excited to uh, bring this one to the table. Let's do it. Give it the sound, too, as well. All right, so this is from Pro Football Network. Uh, this is from AJ Schulte. He did this. Uh, that's in- my boy. You like him? Okay. You're tight with him? I like it. I like it. So this is a mock he did on Saturday. So this is a mock he did on Saturday. I'm not probably before the Saturday slate of games happened. A spoiler alert, the Vikings are picking 22nd in this mock in the first round. So that's where the Vikings are sitting. Um, some highlights here before we get to the Vikings pick. Caleb Williams goes one to the Bears. Drake May two to the Patriots. Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Cardinals uh, at pick three. Uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end going to the Bears at pick five as well in this mock draft. So a lot of Bears movement here in this one, which would be very, very interesting. They get a quarterback in this mock. They would get a tight end. All interesting stuff. I want to go all the way down to the Vikings. The Vikings are on the clock at pick 22, and with their 22nd selection in the NFL draft, in this mock draft, they would take edge rusher Chop Robinson out of Penn State, who we've talked about a little bit. Uh, he writes up that with Daniil Hunter, Marcus Davenport, DJ Wanham, all slated to hit free agency, it's important the Vikings move uh, to replenish this pass rush room. Minnesota nabs an explosive athlete in Chop Robinson. He says four Brian Flores drop pressures. We'll, we'll see if Flores is still around as the D.C. going forward. But, boys, when I look at the end of this draft, there are no quarterbacks off the board behind them. The next player off the board would be Brian Thomas Jr., a wide receiver out of LSU to the Steelers at pick 23. But I think with that defensive edge room, yeah, kind of completely up in the air of who, who's going to come back or not. And edge does seem like a very logical option on day one, pick one for the Vikings in 2024. Yeah, it does. And right now, Chop Robinson is sitting atop my edge rankings at number one. Um, he's ahead of Layatu Latu, who I, I don't grade with medical concerns um, just because I, I just grade what I see on film. And then you kind of take these external factors and then maneuver that way. And then Jared Verse, I haven't got to Dallas Turner from Alabama yet, but Robinson, really, really explosive. Great first step. Um, needs to kind of improve just his overall bevy of pass rush moves, but just from 22 to 23, he showed a lot of growth in that area, and I, I just want to see him improve a lot of the finesse in his game. As an athlete and just a guy who's just, he's just built like a pass rusher, and he plays like it. Uh, very explosive. Uh, understands how to use speed to power. Understands how to use um, a multitude of pass rush moves, and continuing to develop the finesse, I think is going to be the key for Chop Robinson to take it to the next level. Um, I would love this pick. The idea of this pick is great. Um, and I think we need to understand as Vikings fans, and when it comes to the quarterback position, if the guy's not there and you cannot physically trade up to go get one, then you have to readjust what your expectations are for the position. And you have to look at how do I improve my football team? Because forcing a quarterback is how you got Christian Ponder. You don't want to ever force a, a position. You want to draft good players and then you figure the rest out later. So Chop Robinson, I think would be a really good value at 22. I personally think he'll go higher, but there is uh, such a wealth of offensive tackle 
and wide receiver talent in this draft where you could get a guy like Chop at 22 and it feels somewhat realistic, even though in a normal year, a high-end pass rusher wouldn't be. So with their second round selection, I'm going down here to pick 53. The Vikings back on the clock. They take Edrin Cooper, a linebacker out of Texas A&M. Now, a lot of the stuff um, that the author is writing about, he's saying it fits Brian Flores' defense. So he's assuming Mm -hmm. Flores is back here as the D.C. Obviously, we'll wait and see on that. But he says Edrin Cooper has been a fast riser this season and has the length and athleticism to thrive in Brian Flores' defense. So in this situation, the Vikings' first two picks off the board, Miles. Defense, defense, going edge linebacker and I think linebacker is a sneaky one too that we don't really think about right like it's not the sexy position like an edge or like a wide receiver on offense but that room is also kind of just completely up in the air like Jordan Hicks has been great but the dude almost lost his bleeping leg Brian Asamoah <laughs> hasn't been able to get on the field um, it just seems like a linebacker too is probably I gotta imagine high on their needs list no matter who the DC is for the Vikings next year yeah I mean I obviously we saw that um, I think Pace is here to stay I think that guy's like, you, you just oh, yeah. can't take him off the field at this point, And that's okay. That's a good thing. Right. Like, um, but I do think that that slows down the need to a degree. Um, maybe you bring back a Jordan Hicks next year. Um, you do have awesome in the, in the building, but he might not actually be a fit for what um, maybe he just doesn't fit what Flores wants to do. Cause we haven't seen him play much. Um, otherwise. Yeah. I, I, they do need another um, off ball linebacker, but I think their ability to way they think, the Flores defense has played is they haven't really played many two linebacker sets. Like Josh Mattels has kind of been that pseudo second linebacker in a lot of those cases. Um, and so I'd be curious if they really would value that position that highly. Now I think, um, I think that would be a, like a good, I think Cooper's a, a good player. So like, I'm not against like the player itself, but I, I do wonder if they could attack another position that would, would probably give them higher upside because of how good pace has been and areas that they could really like focus on. And so um, I'm not against it. Um, obviously at this stage too of the off season or not even the off season, but this stage in December. But um, I, I do wonder if they could find another position that could really like create another impact. Cause I'm not sure if, if that position would really is, is as necessary as we, we think it could be. So I got two more picks here in round four that, could spark a long discussion, and if we have to put a pin in it, we can, but this is this is juicy. So pick 117, the Vikings go with running back Audric Estime, I believe is how you pronounce it, right out of Notre Dame, the running back there. So they go with a running back uh, at pick 117, and then five picks later, the Vikings are back on the clock because of the TJ Hawkinson trade, and again, we'll see what shakes out with trades and whatnot. But for no, they would take quarterback Michael Pratt out of Tulane with pick 122 uh just a classic nice little day three quarterback selection similar to jaron hall have you have you watched any two-lane football have you watched any michael pratt tape uh from a distance what would you think about michael pratt as a quarterback option for the vikings in the draft next year you haven't been watching two-lane football i haven't been watching phenomenal to watch the last two years with willie fritz and fritz just went off to houston and that's one of the reasons why pratt's in the draft it didn't go back uh, potentially to Tulane for his last season of eligibility. But Pratt is a gamer. He is a, a really talented player, throws an accurate football, does not have the strongest arm, but he's he's a very confident passer and he's very poised in the pocket, can make plays with his feet. I think just because of the overall lack of traits, he's going to end up falling into this range. But I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL just views him a little higher because of some of that football IQ and intelligence and the ability to stay really poised in difficult situations. 
uh, I, I would actually expect Pratt to go day two. Um, or as it's a little different for a guy like Spencer Rattler, who has every tool imaginable, but just hasn't been able to figure out how to use it and be consistent. Some of that had to do with his surroundings in South Carolina as he tried to rebuild his career after what happened at Oklahoma. But it, Pratt is a, a very talented player, and he's, he's not going to wow you with this massive upside, but I think he could be a really, really capable NFL quarterback. And in a system like Kevin O'Connell's where you're really focusing on the intermediate level of the field and anticipation and really firing with precision, I think Pratt could be a fit. Uh, Miles, what about Audric Estime, the running back out of uh, Notre Dame here? So obviously Ty Chandler's looked great, by the way, over the last uh, few weeks. Mm-hmm. You probably you know, probably missed the boat on maybe talking about how great he's been over the last few weeks here, and we'll we'll get into it more on, on future episodes of, uh, of Purple Daily on draft. But what about another running back, Audric Estime there, if Alexander Madison they move on from and clearly Dwayne McBride's like either not NFL player they obviously just do not trust him he hasn't been elevated from the practice squad all year um he was kind of that darling that we projected on this show when uh when 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 Thor was here that he could be a a fun little find and he hasn't been able to crack the active roster Audric Estime Notre Dame running back uh five foot eleven about uh I don't know how I don't have his weight in front of me here but uh, 227 pounds is that running back does that pick do anything for you well, I mean, he's a big bruiser, so there's a lot of that, like, Alexander Madison style to his game. Um, I think he's got a little bit more, like, rock solidness to him than, than maybe Madison does, but um, I, I see a lot of similarities in that in that style and that build. Um, I, he's good. I, I don't – I think – I always think explosion should be the, the main point of drafting a running back. I think, obviously, you know, you need patience. You need uh, – um, you want them to be have, have really good vision as well, but I think – um, just like I want someone that's explosive. And I think that's why Ty Chandler has looked so good the last few weeks too, is he has that extra gear. Um, the guys that are good within the first 10 yards, like that's not, that's great. I think. Um, but like, I like a home run hitter. So, um, if you want to pair that guy with, with the Chandler, I think that's cool. But I think I prefer someone with a little bit more juice. Um, but I don't, I, I don't hate, hate that pick, but, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I, if I see it as, as much of a fit, but yeah, th- this run game is kind of, gotten into a weird position because they finally started to hit their stride. They're, they're finally finding some like sustained success. And I think they're kind of doing a little bit better with like how they're scheming up the run game and, and guys seem to be bought in and, and kind of figuring it out um, this late in the season, which is really important um, down the stretch. But um, I'm just not sure if, if a bruiser kind of fits, um, fits that model, uh, especially if they like what Ty Chandler has been doing and, and, and moving forward. Yeah, it'll be a really, uh, just I'm intrigued on what they want to do at the draft next year because yeah there are some holes on this roster and they're going to be picking in that sweet spot right between 22 and like 12 so very curious to see kind of where uh, the Vikings end up picking and you know yeah they're not out of the playoff race so they could maybe even lose these few games slide down some draft positions but I I don't I don't see them losing all the next three games it's going to be very highly contested against Lions Packers Lions but uh, going to be a really interesting fun ride of the season here Purple Daily on draft though every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and hitting the subscribe button. We'll be back here. It's obviously Christmas next Monday. Stay tuned for uh, future programming on Purple Daily on Draft. Might pre-record that later on in the week uh, to bring you still something. So stick stick with us then. But this is Purple Daily on Draft. Miles, Tyler, Declan here. Hit the subscribe button. Daily Vikings Entertainment.